Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, Halima. Hi, Ioni. And hello to all of the listeners. Welcome to the Polyester Podcast. I'm Ioni. I'm the founding editor-in-chief of Polyester Online, in print, and everywhere else. And I'm Halima, the community editor of Polyester Scene and co-host of the Polyester Podcast. Hey, so this is a Sleepover Club episode where we have all of those discussions that you would normally have at a sleepover. Just a little sub-note. Is that even a word? A little side note. (laughs) Um, Part two of the Bimbo Deep Dive is coming as a special episode this week. So keep your eye on it. But for now, what are we talking about, Halima? The vibe shift is coming. Will (laughs) any of us survive? (laughs) Oh my God, it's so dramatic. So we're basically talking about this viral essay. Was it on the New York Times? It was the cut. The cut. Um, would you like to explain, Halima? Yeah, so there's an, a viral um, article. Who is it by again? I listened to a podcast oh, I with the same writer, Vibe Shift. Lauren in the Dollhouse chat said she really liked the writer as well. She's on this podcast with um, uh, Hayley Newman, who I am obsessed with. Um, oh, I hate the New York Times. I mean, the cut because they have their little, um, what's it called? So you have hey, you can only read it if you're, yeah. I mean, I love paywalls because Polyester has a paywall. <laughs> Paying to read. <laughs> yeah, but to be fair, we're not the cut. If I made as much, no. if we made as much money as the cut, we wouldn't have a paywall. Exactly. Okay, so her name is Alison P. Davis. Yeah, so she interviewed a trend forecaster of which mm-hmm. I've forgotten his name. Do you remember it, Halima? It is Sean Moahan. Mm-hmm. So this was the trend forecaster that apparently invented Normcore. Yeah. Um, also ran a trend forecasting agency. If anyone doesn't know what trend forecasting is, and I wanted to talk about this a little bit in the episode, actually, because I think it's really interesting. So I studied fashion journalism at uni, which probably some people know already. And a big part of basically what they're trying to get us into was trend forecasting because it's where the money is. Mm. but it's like this really cynical thing well at the time the way I learned about it was just like this cynical thing that I didn't really like it in terms of that like you'd look at the cultural happenings so <laughs> the cultural happenings also whether it was like an exhibition at the VNA or like whatever Lo- loads of different things feed into it obviously internet culture as well mm-hmm. and then you could kind of like determine what trends are coming and you can also do this with time as we've discussed in the Indie Sleaze episode, if you haven't listened, go back and listen, in which like you can kind of guess which decades are about to come back around mm-hmm. or whatever, because there's just like a cultural like 
phenomenon it's not really a phenomenon that's overstating it but you know where like every 10 15 years things come back around basically yeah. well, it used to be 15 20 years anyway we say this on indie sleeves who the fuck cares listen to that episode <laughs> but my point being i think it's interesting because like when i was at uni and it was like being a trend forecaster was basically kind of frowned upon like mm. it was like selling out because like what trend for- forecasters actually do is then they will sell their ideas to like whether you're an advertising agency or like a big brand or like whatever you'll put together these kind of trend packs that then like are sold to people that don't trend forecast but I think we're in the middle of a trend forecasting renaissance like TikTok loves a trend forecast moment don't they like we're always seeing these micro trends popping up on TikTok and like people being like the next big thing is Mm. obviously like back to indie sleeves like everyone's been talking about that resurgence for like the last two months or whatever it seems like people are now finding it interesting to like predict trends rather than letting them happen organically i think it's probably like more we're seeing that more now because we don't know what trend is next like we're we're because especially since we've been in like a pandemic so we've had to do nothing for ages and we haven't seen like of course people still do things but we haven't there hasn't been like something i mean like something major major pop culture that we've all been outside to see to be together yeah. if that makes sense so i feel like especially because he wrote this article last year and they kind of I found it interesting because he did write this last year and now it's becoming quite... It just got picked up on. Yeah, he wrote it last year, but I think it was because, like, the vaccine was coming out and everybody was like, oh, it's, like, hot vac summer, raw vax, we get to go outside, obviously, Omicron happens. And yeah. things kind of have started to change a bit where, like, oh, we're meant to see something happen and then nothing yeah, really happens. Yeah. So... So for anyone that hasn't read the uh, the article, the interview, which we will link, please explain the vibe shift. <laughs> so... The vibe shift, it is kind of like, it's a catchy sort of cool term that Mohan uses for a relatively simple idea. In the culture, sometimes things change and once a dominant social wavelength starts, it feels dated. So there was three kind of uh, vibe shifts that he mentioned in his piece. And it was the hipster indie music kind of vibe from 2003, 2009. And just, so just to contextualize, this is very New York. So like, I don't mm. know if it necessarily... You might be like, eh, I don't know if that's true here because it's a very New York kind of like piece. Um, and then from 2010, 2016 was the post-internet techno revival. And then 2016, 2020 is the hype beast woke era. I really liked in your notes that you specified, um, because it was, I think it was in the techno revival moment that he referenced kinfolk. And I definitely thought that was about the magazine. So thank you for clarifying that it was the club night. You're um, welcome. Thank you to the writer because she wrote that. I read that. So the thing that strikes me about this vibe shift, there's two things. A, I personally think that this is a very white man centric. Like I know, for example, Dev Hines Blood Orange is referenced mm. in one of the vibes, but this feels a very boy to me. Does it? Yeah, I mean you're right though because I guess like with the hype beast walk thing, he he wrote like or she wrote I don't know whose reference this is, but it's like she goes with the hype beast walk era. She writes Drake at his Drakeist, or mm. as you said, um, Blood Orange. Well, like this is quite there's a lot of boy references. It's very boy, like very man. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's as clever as I'm getting today. Um, so I think that's interesting as well because like also I think there's some truth and some. I think there's some truth and then the cultural references just as you've already mentioned aren't like 
universal because Mm -hmm. no cultural reference is universal I think that's the problem here with like stating a vibe shift it's interesting because if we're talking about vibe shifts how many times will I say that this episode (laughs) I think what they have got spot on about the article is like some of the things that the 2010s to 2020 were defined by like some of the wording is a bit weird, but like, you know, like cancel culture, internet politics, like a greater social awareness, all of these things. I think that is so true, like regardless of where you sit and kind of like the intersection of culture. But I also just think that like you have, I you have different touch points no matter, these big things will happen, but your cultural touch points for them are different and not yeah. necessarily can be classified under like indie sleaze or techno revival or like um, hype beast. So my personal example of this would be like the um, emergence of fourth wave feminism, which happened between the 2010s and 2020 in that, like my personal cultural references for that would be like rookie magazine, Petra Collins, Arvida Bystrom, Tumblr, like defined by millennial pink defined by all of these things. And then I could be with a friend who read like the Vagenda and Jezebel and like had more literary kind of references and it's interesting that like we kind of hit these big cultural touchstones together but all in very separate ways definitely because even when you're talking about further feminism like I when I think of not, not that I like to classify feminism in waves but when I think of that era of feminism I don't think of Ricky I don't think of Petra Collins what I don't think, think of, of those people well because I was a child um, yeah but what, what you were <laughs> you're such a fucking liar I'm sick of this shit you were like 14 Eden yeah. messaged me earlier Eden occasional co-host of this podcast saying Halima's got an evil plan that involves just saying oh I'd never heard of that until you said it to seem young and vivacious and I agree with her and I stop this right now that's a I lie I call your bluff wow anyways I don't know I, I definitely think of Tumblr but I just I just I didn't think I don't think of Rookie or Petra Collins I definitely think of Tumblr and Twitter as my as 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 um, feminist touchstones in that fourth wave decade or like I think of this particular individuals like of that what, era what people well I feel like I can't remember their name but there's this massive what, what? person called Lexi for Prez he was on Twitter around the time do you remember them no no yeah there's a massive person on um twitter called lexi for prez who was massive like they taught me everything about feminism but i think about people like that but yeah we have different experiences around that time so and then in terms of like um it kind of goes back to what we were saying about bimboism like i don't know really if i'm explaining this so well but in that i'm interested in how much of these like vibe shifts or cultural moments and i'm also saying this with an awareness of like our own complicity in this is like manufactured by the media Mm, yeah I was thinking that too because I feel like do you do we know we're in a vibe when the vibe is happening (laughs) or do we only know after (laughs) do we only know after after it's been told to us that we've experienced a vibe like the way I see it so I'm probably at the first point in my life where I can like <laughs> makes me sound like 40. Nothing wrong with being 40. Wow, Ioni, you make yourself sound old on the podcast. <laughs> but like, I'm probably at the first point in my life where, yeah, my teenager is being like nostalgic. And mm. as in, I can look back at things and clearly remember them, if that makes sense. Like, they're not specifically nostalgic for me because they are fairly recent but far. I don't know if that mm-hmm. makes sense. 
so what I can see, and I'm I'm just going to recontextualize this in like I don't really care about the vibe shift of Drake. Like, no offense to him or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to that man. <laughs> in terms of feminism, because I think this can be applied to feminism, and I think a vibe shift is coming in feminism. What is it? Obviously, that's something we've discussed so much on the podcast, like looking at these kind of like niche cultural feminist moments, like whether it be pro-feminist moments, like bimboism, like kind of like the medium of dissociative feminism, and then the right, which is tradwife feminism. Well, I mean, I don't even, <laughs> let's not even tack that word onto the end mm-hmm. of it. Um, but what I think is interesting is that like pre-pandemic, just pre-pandemic, like early 2020, you could see all these things bubbling up that we were getting sick of them. Mm. Things that personally, like polyester and myself personally have never prescribed to, like girlboss feminism, like choice feminism, self-love feminism. But you could just see that getting so tired already. And then we're in kind of this stilted phase for it. And it's interesting because during the pandemic, like I say actual politics, I don't mean it, like it's a lazy choice of word, but traditional politics obviously became more prominent Like in terms of we had to fight for our rights to like be a human during a pandemic. And then Mm -hmm. that brought up more like socio-political issues such as like Black Lives Matter and like all of like police brutality. It was like a very big phase of like serious quote unquote political turmoil that we then reacted to as political people. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was ever like succinctly organized within feminism because I'm not sure if that can even be done anymore. But anyway, now it feels like we're, we shouldn't be, but we are kind of out of that because we're all fatigued in a way. People that can afford to in terms of like their. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah. That plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Social standing and privilege are, like, not bored, but just, like, they. there's no easy or quick way to get like job satisfaction from like serious political feminism because it's like thankless a lot of the time 
so I think now we are at the vibe shift in which like we are out of the pandemic we're not out of the pandemic but as in like you know the government wants to tell us we're out of the pandemic mm-hmm. things are slightly back to normal or we can just do more things that we did before like that's truth isn't it so what does feminism look like and it's interesting because I think it is going back towards more of the cultural thing but pe- like a cultural wave of feminism but people think it's different to like the girl boss t-shirt feminism somehow I don't know Mm. Um, what do you mean when you say like it's becoming more in, into like a cultural wave what is what do you mean by that so I think that like I talk about this in the book haha I'm just going to plug the book every week for like, three months <laughs> as you should um, so I basically think that like feminism has we have a we basically have a tendency to make liberal feminism more overtly political than it actually was like when we're looking back on it like more radical more concerned with policy change than it is and like obviously as you know from your dissertation as well feminism does cross over with pop culture like at various points throughout history mm-hmm. I think what we've basically seen in like the last 30 years is like fast tracking of that due to the internet So feminism becomes like an identity marker rather than a political fight. And I think that's what we can see, obviously, as displayed, like for our dissociative feminism and bimboism episodes, like these are people, we're now seeing a generation that basically, like, on the whole, if you're leftist, you agree on most things, like there are still obviously differences and inequalities. But you kind of agree on a fundamental level of what right and wrong is if you're leftist. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's like a huge rise of the right, and I'm not talking about this right now. So I think that is then giving these people a moment of like playfulness almost in a way. So it's like they have this ground, they have this like laid out. What do you do with it from there? It's not like previous generations where you kind of have to build from zero up over and over again. We're now building feminism from like 40% up or something. Hmm. You're right when you mention like the whole feminism as an identity marker rather than like feminism as your politics. People are like, I'm a feminist and then do, don't do anything with that. Like it's not just a label. It's a it's a political thing that you yeah. have to do something with. And it makes when exactly. you were mentioning something, you were mentioning something before about um kind of like this um during the pandemic and like politics was kind of like, more central in our way of thinking and it made me think okay this is i don't know if this is necessarily related to feminism i think it kind of is i think all these things are interlinked but even when biden became president in america i feel like we we had a massive moment with trump to biden because things are meant to quote-unquote get better mm-hmm, like exactly. for, in, i mean america is such a massive part of the entire world it's hard to not like talk about it but yeah. obviously things haven't gotten better because biden sucks but the democratic party also suck like like we like there's a big people are maybe just starting to notice now that like I don't know like I'm getting I've gone on I've gone on a tangent no I get it I get it and like when we're discussing the vibe shift like I know in that article it like specifically relates to like the nihilism of like emerging from a pandemic that's not yet completed and all of these things like I think it's just to the point that we have made like so many times, like not so many times, I hope, but it speaks to the point, like, and also the line in that article where it's like, most promisingly, irony is back. (laughs) I don't don't like it. Anyway, um, what I'm saying is nihilism is kind of only allowed to the people that like 
nothing affected in the first place. So for example, Biden came in and suddenly it's like, okay, we like were on tender hooks for like how long's an American president? Four years. Four years. Yeah. We've been on tender hooks for four years because like obviously Trump like posed a very real threat to like many things that liberals and left-leaning people consider like core values. So then as soon as like they can just get comfy yeah they're like okay I'm comfy I can go back to being a nihilist again now like yeah. I, like community action doesn't mean anything I don't the worst. Care. like you literally suck for that like and people a lot of marginalized people were, were literally saying like I don't think things will change with Biden and we're literally yeah. being attacked for saying that they were mm-hmm. like oh but you, you want Trump to win like no maybe no, we no. should actually like realize that the system doesn't work for anybody be it a democrat or a republican it doesn't work for marginalized people yeah, I think that like the framing of this vibe shift into a period of like hedonism, nihilism and like enjoyment basically like does a disservice to how enjoyable social politics can be. I'm not saying enjoyable as in like fun. I mean like how fruitful and fulfilling, like getting involved in community activism or just finding a community, like whatever you want within that Obviously, I think we should also seek joy in like the really um, inconsequential things in the world, like partying and like having brunch and like mm. going doing whatever you want that apparently is coming back into fashion now. <laughs> but you can do that through the frame of being like a good socially yeah. conscious feminist. Like I don't think they exist at polar opposites of a spectrum, which is kind mm. of like what the vibe shift implies. Mm. The vibe shift, they did mention that they think that like, the per- um, what's his name Sean was mentioning that he thinks the vibe ship like the next vibe is kind of like this basically kind of what we mentioned with the industries episode they think that that's coming back and that kind of party-esque-ness that yeah kind of exactly what you're saying they think that that's what's coming back I think it just gives a disservice to like so many like queer communities and like lots of like subversive communities that manage to do both at once do you know what I mean Mm. like queer people don't stop enjoying themselves because they are oppressed like they find ways to find joy in their community um you're so right because I guess this new vibe should suggest that like I mean of course there's nuance to it I don't want to be misinterpreting what they're saying but obviously it suggests that like it's fun time now. Like we've defeated yeah. Trump. We've defeated this. It's like the pandemic is over and that's not the reality of the situation that we're in. Exactly. And I think that like, <laughs> you know, the world feels closer and closer to ending every mm-hmm. single day. <laughs> like the pandemic is still here. The storms are literally blowing people's roofs off their houses. Yeah. Climate change is real. And I think there is so much to be said for not being like, too depressed about that the writers mentioned that in the article as well to be fair there's a section where she goes the death drive and she talks about like and exactly what you're saying that it does feel like we're closer and closer to death so it makes sense that people would would use that pent-up frustration to have fun yeah but i think there's like a false equivalence throughout history that what we have to do is go through these kind of cycles of like politically charged and then apathetic politically charged and then apathetic Mm. like over and over again with one scrubbing out the previous one until the end of time surely there's a middle ground like surely the vibe shift should be the middle ground yeah do you think did you agree that that is the next vibe shift what do you think the next vibe shift is well this is what i was kind of speaking to of the point of like how much do the media manufacture like these kind Mm. of cultural moments uh, especially in the internet like 
the fat will also online and it's so much easier to manufacture these type of things especially with absence of real life scenes which may still like my my like friend put up some instagram stories the other day basically being like um they live in new york and basically being like oh it's interesting that all the gyms are open like i can go to the gym and all the guys are like vibing out masks off sweating to fuck but none of the galleries are open still Mm. And like none of the community spaces. And it's like, I think we're all expecting this, like, you know, glory, being able to go out and see art and have fun and like blah, 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 blah. But while we're in a, while we're still in this pandemic stage, if it's not commercially viable, like these people aren't going to open these spaces and we're still not going to be with our communities. Mm. And like capitalism drives also, are we just entering another like godless era of like money and men? Definitely. I was reading an article by um, Hayley Newman, who I mentioned earlier, and she was talking about how like um, our current culture feels really sexless. And she Mm -hmm. meant it less in the sense of like actual sex and more in the fact that everything kind of just feels dry and boring and it's filled with like corporate activism and NFTs and cryptocurrency and like all of this like boring bullshit rubbish. Like that's what our current kind of culture feels like. And that's where it feels like it's continuing to head towards. You know, I do think there is, like, a counter-argument to that, though. Like, bimboism being one of them. Like, that's obviously... Like, I find that very, like, interesting. But, like, I agree and disagree, basically, is what I'm saying. Mm. I'm going to use Euphoria as an example. Like, the amount of dicks in that TV show that make you feel absolutely... I was thinking that, too. Yeah, but that make you feel nothing. Like, that didn't feel sexy or, like, fun. It just felt kind of sad and dry and, like... Do you remember that Sex and the Sea episode where you saw Harry's dick? That <laughs> <Yes>. was awful. <laughs> I know. They think, oh, they're going to combat the sexless society by throwing dicks in everyone's faces. It's not what we want. But then, so I think Euphoria has <laughs> the light and the shade of the situation because, yeah, all those dicks, like, constantly and persistently throughout. I know you're not even fucking watching it, but you know what's going on. Yeah. All the dicks in it are boring. But then in the most recent episode, um, there was like a Lexi's play and Ethan in it did this like amazing, sexy musical number to I Need a Hero. It's very homoerotic. I mean, not even, it was just like full gay. It was incredible. And I think that was sexy and fun. We want to have, we want to have sex. We want to have fun. And we also want to fight the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> I think that euphoria is like one of the an example of a very sexy show and i don't mean it in the in the fact of actual like um sex appeal i mean that in the fact mm. that it's fun and it's new it's one of those things that feels very 2022 i right. think that we've, we've been seeing so many reboots of things and remix of things and kind of this um nostalgia economy that we spoke about ages ago on the podcast that feel really sexist because they're not new like i think things feel really dry but euphoria to me feels very sexy even though i don't watch it feels very sexy i don't know i think it did and like season two is struggling with not mm. Like certain parts of it do, but I think maybe it has been so marred by like the Sam Levinson is a bad boss discourse, which Mm. is totally valid. And like the people not being treated well and like certain characters being cut out to the point that they just fall into like awful tropes. I think it has potential, but it's not there. (laughs) Also, I have to ask before we finish, because one of my main takeaways from this article was the fact that... um, 
there was a I was a fear around if people would be able to survive the shift or, or like survive the the quote unquote vibe shift or like like they were worried if they would stay relevant in culture. I thought that was an interesting idea or point. Um, yeah, I think is anyone outside of the media interested in staying relevant in culture or do people <laughs> just want to like what they like? So true. <laughs> That's just my point. Like nobody gives a fuck really, except for people exactly. inside the media. Like, do you care? No. I feel like adulthood for me is basically like trying to piece together all the things that I like and that make me who I am and then making sure I cling to them as opposed to mm. like hopping to and from the next thing. Like we're all influenced by trends, of course. But I don't think we're all like eagle-eyed monsters watching being like, oh my God, now I need to buy a coach pillow tabby bag. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What oh about God. you? Are you scared of being left behind? No, I, you know, I make the culture. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't really care. This whatever in it. I, I, I just find it interesting to hear about it, but I don't really care. <laughs> Great. I'm glad we've done a whole podcast episode on something you don't care about. <laughs> <laughs> it's really interesting though i loved le- reading it and learning about it and like learning about norm car so that was good well thank you for your time halima thank you for your time Mayuna gamble and your excellent research thank you to olivia for editing thank you to the cart for publishing this essay and giving us something to talk about thank uh-huh. you to all of you listeners if you enjoyed this episode please tell a friend to listen to it also and if you feel so inclined rate and review and also follow the podcast on the platform of your choice we would be so 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 grateful we are having so much fun chatting to you all in the comment section and on this podcast and like even bimboism last week we got the idea from a few of you listeners that said i want to hear what you say about bimbo so thank you please keep staying involved and Thank you to Gina and Gina and Hattie and Grace and Eden and Charlotte. We will see you this week. We've got another episode. Crazy. Goodbye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.